Hello, welcome back to Top Track, the weekly podcast that deliberates and celebrates rock and roll's greatest albums, one alphabetical letter at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andrew Mull. I'm another of your co-hosts, Matt Tessier. Matt, how are you? I'm good. Um, it's you cold. Staying warm? It's cold down here. This it, is a, a historic uh, winter onslaught we're experiencing right now. We're bundled up in the Top Track studio lab, if you will, drinking hot coffee. And uh, Homer Simpson slippers, we should add. <laughs> and Homer Simpson, they're, they can't, they're warm, man. They really... I'm going to break the fourth wall here. <laughs> uh, and we have a space heater as well. We do. Thank you, Lily. Yeah. I hope you're not too cold in, in your room in the back of the house. Uh, it's worth it. Trust me. Do you think our forefathers would be a little disappointed in us right now if they knew we were complaining about... The conditions. They might rethink whether uh, it was even worth it to enter into revolution. Were we worth saving? That's my question to you. I mean, uh, you know, I think about all that tea in the harbor and I'm like, man, that I would have loved to have drunk some of that tea. That's a waste of perfectly good tea. We are excited to present Letter I. And tonight we will be discussing Jason Isbell's, what is this, his third, fourth? This is fourth. Fourth album. Southeastern. Southeastern. This is a heavy affair, Andrew. It is. Um, this is um, a man of uh, many talents. Uh, a sense of humor is not one of right. them. I think there are going to be limited opportunities for us to crack wise on this episode. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Don't say that. Don't, <laughs> we'll that's a, a challenge. Um, by the way, it's not Jason Isbell. It's actually Jason Isbell. I learned. Well, that's just ridiculous, Andrew. I'm not, I'm not pronouncing it that way. All right. Well, hang on a second. I'll tell you what. We'll ask, we'll ask Siri. Hey, Siri. <laughs> how do you... Pr- hey, what? Hang on. Hey, Siri. Okay. I found this on the web for how do you hang on. Check it out. <laughs> hey, Siri. Stupid Siri. Play Jason Isbell. Jason Isbell now playing. I don't know, How did she pronounce that? <laughs> Well, Siri, so, so you're, Siri's so, not known for her pronunciations, though. So I know this from living in Louisiana and, and driving on Louisiana streets. So you're saying she's wrong, you're right. That's right. Okay. It wouldn't be the first time. All right. Hang on a second. Hey, Siri, uh-huh. play, <laughs> play Jason Isbell. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this Jared. is just. Hey, Siri. Siri's just barely, barely eking it out tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have a legend in the making with this well, it's guy? It's not mince words. This is, I think, one of the greatest songwriters of our time. I agree. Um, and I'm, I'm going to sound really stupid here. I'm not much of a lyric man, Andrew. Like I, I listen to a song and I, I focus more on the chord, the melodies. Um, you and I are on the same page there. But. This is the first guy that really got the first songwriter that really got me to slow down and listen to the lyrics and appreciate the lyrics for how good they could be. Mm-hmm. The album that we're doing tonight, Southeastern, we're going to hear, I think, uh, some good examples of uh, of those lyrics. And when you think of songwriters that I guess are the the poets, I mean, I guess Dylan is the first one. That sure. comes to the top. Who are some of the other poets I, I we've think had? Cat Stevens is probably a good one. Yep, Cat Stevens for sure. Leonard Who else? Cohen, I guess some would say. Um, yeah. 
Um, Elliot Smith, sure, yeah, is is one. Uh, Jeff Tweedy, I, I think, is in that conversation possibly. I don't know. That That's may, fair. Yeah. So there are a few, but I think Jason Isbell is one of those that also could be in that category. Um, this is a relatively younger guy, I guess. He's born 1979, your age. So born, uh, has a Com- birthday coming up. a lot more than I have. Yeah. There's still time, I guess. There's still time. He had a birthday last week, actually, February 1st. So I guess, and this is a guy that um, I guess really rose to uh, fame with the drive-by truckers. How familiar are you with the truckers? Yeah, he was in the truckers from 2001 to 2007. And I think back when I was listening to the truckers, I think he was, uh, you know, one of the key components of the truckers. Uh, I think he was one of the younger members, mm-hmm. and interestingly, I think he got introduced through the to the truckers through Patterson Hood's dad, um, David Hood, I think, who okay. uh, was you know kind of this this kind of musical mentor around the Muscle Shoals scene, and so he kind of took him under his wing, and I think that's how he got introduced to the Drive By Truckers. There are a few d- Drive By Truckers songs that Jason Isbell wrote that are very highly regarded there's danko manuel decoration day um there's a few uh wait what's the other one these guys are all i guess we're all born well like patterson hood and mike cooley are, are were from northern alabama and i guess jason isbell was also from north alabama green green hill alabama isbell came and 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 stuck around for three or four records and then kind of had a controversial exit maybe? you know i think they describe it now as amicable but i think at the time you kind of got the feeling that it wasn't there was a little bit of tension I, yeah. there i think since then they've they've maybe buried the hatchet isbel i think was married to or dating the bass player yeah shauna tucker shauna tucker yeah and then they divorce i don't know i'm getting all this wrong probably and that, that could that might be what led to I kind of feel like that was. I kind of feel like that was a big player in what happened, and I think he probably wanted to go out and do solo stuff anyway. But that might have been a good kickstart to 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 doing that. Yeah. So he went out on his own uh, with Sirens of the Ditch in 2007. I was looking at his discography, and uh, there's one particular award, Americana Music Award Album of the Year. Uh, Sirens of the Ditch didn't do anything, but his next album was nominated for Album of the Year. His next album after that was nominated for Album of the Year. Southeastern won Album of the Year. Something More Than Free won Album of the Year. The Nashville Sound won Album of the Year. And his album Reunions was nominated for Album of the Year. This is a guy that's but had... This is not... This is Americana yes, Awards. Yes, okay. exactly. The okay. Americana Music Awards. Americana Music Awards. So that's that's pretty impressive. It's a clean sweep. Yeah. Uh, Sirens of the Ditch, you said, did win, or it was... It uh, Sirens of the Ditch did not win. Did not it win. has a couple great tunes on there. Dress Blues. Dress Blues. Which I think is where we really get to see his storytelling chops. Yeah. And uh, Hurricanes Chicago, and ha- oh, Chicago Promenade. Promenade, yeah. yep. Um, Hurricanes and Hand Grenades is a personal favorite of mine. Okay. You know, we we had thought about doing that album, mm-hmm. but truth be told, those were kind of his uh, his lost years in terms of his alcoholism. He was in you know the full throes of his alcoholic problems, and 
Southeastern is the album where he finally got clean. And I think the quality of his albums thereafter, you know, there was a, a little bit of filler on the previous albums because, you know, he just wasn't functioning at, you know, as, as best he could. But uh, still a couple of highlights on a lot of those early albums. Yeah, uh, the one I was thinking, A Brand New Kind of Actress. That's a good one. Yeah. And you steered me off of Sirens of the Ditch, and I'm glad you did because I think Southeastern is a better record from start to finish. There's I, There are three or four songs on, on Sirens of the Ditch and even on Nashville that I think are better than a lot of the songs on Southeastern, but yeah. I think top to bottom, Southeastern is strong all the way through. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh, some of my favorite songs of his are on different albums, mm-hmm. but uh, I think mm-hmm. as a whole, uh, as a as a I don't know, almost a concept album, or at least a very cohesive album, I think this is a high water mark. But yeah, there are other songs that are better. And this was so. This was his first album sober. Is that yes. right? Yes. So I mean, you know, he said his songwriting routine prior to this was, you know, he'd get up at at noon write for a couple hours and then go to the bars and you know his day was done but with this one he really you know got up early in the morning and and wrote songs for 12 hours a day and so he he himself says that instead of you know two or three good songs on an album i got an album with like you know 12 good songs on it this was released june 11th 2013 so we're about 10 and a half years past its release have you ever seen him Yes, I saw him in Baton Rouge around the the time he was touring for the Nashville Sound. Okay. It's a fantastic show. Uh, Have you seen him? Yeah, I have. Um, I saw him, I've seen him three times, and they were all three, all three times were during his Sirens of the Ditch, which could explain why that album has kind of a, Mm. has sentimental attachment. Two of the places that I saw him were total holes in the wall. Like one place was called Walters, which was an indie rock punk punk rock, um, heavy metal club in downtown Houston, basically this big white painted um, assembly hall and concrete from top to bottom. It was like a big warehouse and a very tiny stage, terrible acoustics, but it was a, he put on a really good show. And, um, and then I saw him twice in Baton Rouge. I saw him once at the Spanish Moon which I think might be defunct. Yeah, great venue. (laughs) I miss that place. I do too. I think that place closed probably before COVID. Um, I don't know. I can't, I don't even know. Do you know when it closed? Yeah, it was definitely pre-COVID. Okay. Spanish Moon was a little hole-in-the-wall dive bar concert, live venue uh, near uh, LSU's campus. It really punched above its weight in terms of the acts that it It uh, attracted. It did. Did and then this the last place that I saw him was a place called Chelsea's. Chelsea's, yeah, love uh, Chelsea's. Chelsea's has is a kind of a, a mainstay of Baton Rouge live music, and it's it's had two or three different incarnations. But I saw it at the second incarnation, which was under the Perkins Overpass. Nice. So for those listening who are familiar <laughs> with the Perkins Overpass, that's where I saw him the third time. Um, all three times he closed with the same song. And it was a cover of the Talking Head Psycho Killer. Oh, that's that's amazing. <laughs> it was great. Like he would play brand new kind of actors in Chicago Promenade and Hurricanes and Hand Grenades, and uh, he played a couple Drive By Truckers songs. I guess you would call them covers. Yeah, uh, covering himself. I don't know how does that how that works, but <laughs> <laughs> I love you... his covers, man. There, yeah. There's a there's a really great. Uh, 
I don't know if you know the Swedish uh, performer Leaky Lee. He does a, um, uh-uh. a, a kind of an EP with his wife uh, of, of sea shanty, not sea shanties, but sea-based songs. And uh, there's one called uh, "I Follow Rivers" that's really fantastic. If you okay. haven't heard it, the original and his cover. So. I'm always impressed with its covers, but sad yeah. I haven't heard this Talking Heads cover. You can find it on YouTube, and I, I would encourage everybody listening who hasn't heard him do it, I, I'm almost positive you can find two or three different versions of it. I hope I'm right. I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm right. I'm sure you know 2007 wasn't that long ago. So how did you first get turned on to Jason Isbell? The truckers. Okay. I went to college in Dallas, Texas, um, which was a real hotbed for a lot of bands that were in that drive-by truckers genre, like uh, Centromatic, um, Slobberbone, The Gourds. And so the truckers would always come through Denton, Texas. And then when I moved to Austin, the truckers were always playing in Austin. So I get to see them several times there. I uh, I was late to the party. I, you know, heard of him and uh, knew about him from drive-by truckers, but didn't get into his solo work until... Uh, I can't remember the year. It was probably around the time of Southeastern, but I was driving with the family to Kansas on one of our annual trips to see the in-laws. And um, it, the way my Honda Odyssey is arranged, <laughs> sound, uh, audio-visually speaking, is if the kids are watching a movie, I have to listen to the audio for that movie. And it was driving me crazy. I couldn't listen to the audio for Sounds Minions. Sounds like a fever dream, dude. I couldn't listen to the audio for Toy Story anymore. So I popped some earbuds in and just happened on Jason Isbell and went down this rabbit hole of song after song that just engaged me and and just was blown away by by the quality of the songwriting. And by the time we got to our rest point at the next Cracker Barrel or whatever, I was a changed man, dude. Because his songs are teed up for road trips. The, the first song I heard legitimately was Traveling Alone. <laughs> I was like, you got me. You got me, Jason Isbell. I got Toy Story in one ear and Minions in the other <laughs> ear. I'm just uh, what we like to do every time we do an album is talk about what albums came out at the same time. So June of 2013, I could only find two that I thought would be notable, and one of them is Portugal the Man, uh, Evil Friends. Okay. Which I didn't know Portugal the Man yet. I didn't know right, about Portugal right. the Man they until they released their huge song. No, yet. I didn't know. I, it takes a huge song for me to know, unfortunately, who somebody is. But uh, it was that one, and then Queens of the Stone Age had an album also that year or that month and year, okay. like Clockwork. I don't know if you're familiar with okay. that one. Does that one have have uh, No One Knows on it? I do not know. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> um, okay, well, but, that was a pretty uh, sp- sparse time. I know. I, I was surprised. I was, you know, usually whenever we do this, we find four or five that were big. But 2013, summer of 2013, must have been. They just cleared the decks for Jason I, Isbell. I guess so like, this guy's going to drop a big one. We don't want to be anywhere near it. Well, this dro- this debuted at number 23 on the Billboard 2100 and number seven on the top rock albums charts. We always talk about them in the hundreds of thousands of copies sold or in the millions. This one sold 18,000 copies in its first <laughs> week. And it has only sold, oh, only, it's not a nice way of saying it. It has sold 148,000 copies as of, well, that's as of June 2015. So that's out of okay. That's okay. out of date. But needless to say, this is not up to platinum status yet. No, but did make the Rolling Stone 
500 greatest albums of all time, uh, clocking in at I number knew, 458. I knew I could look to you for some Rolling Stone data. I That's get, respectable, I like it. That my is, friend. That is. That's good. What was before it and what was after it, you know? I knew I shouldn't. I, why do I ask questions that I... Oh, man. What's yeah, the, I knew. I should have known you were going to ask that. <laughs> the, the thing is, I could make something up, and you wouldn't even know. It's true. I'd have no idea. <laughs> well, that's impressive, though, that it that it did that, and it, it had a big release last summer um, for its tenth anniversary. That's right. And so it we're did. we're catching this when it comes to timing here at the Top Track Lab. We're that's not our forte. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. And so this doesn't have the 400 unit on it, does it? It, it doesn't. This is like uh, his full moon fever, I think, or his... Yeah, or uh, his Nebraska. Or his Foo Fighters debut. Ooh, or his Foo Fighters debut. Uh, born Keeping in the USA? Relevant. Was that East Street or no? That was East Street. Yeah, okay. that was okay. definitely East Street. There were two Tom Petty records that were without the, the Heartbreakers. That was Full Moon and Wildflowers. Nebraska was just Bruce. And then I guess his late 80s were also just Bruce, right? Or were yes. those East Street? Those, those might have been East Street. I don't know. Um, Born Tunnel, in the USA. Tunnel of Love was, uh, was just Bruce. Okay. So. Yeah. This is uh, this is Jason Isbell's, Isbell's, Isbell's Tunnel of Love. <laughs> that's my favorite. You know that's my favorite Springsteen I know, album, so. I know, I know. Ready to jump right in? Let's do it. Uh, I think um, history would dictate that you read the track listing, right? Oh, all right. I don't think there's any need to discuss the album cover on this one. It's, it is what it is. It's self-explanatory. <sighs> yeah, let's spend... This is a man, what did I say? Man of many talents, but sense of humor doesn't appear to be one of them. <laughs> it's just this very stoic, black and white portrait almost. Yeah. He's got his hair slicked back. He looks like he's wearing some sort of almost like a mafia zoot suit kind of thing. I mean, he looks cool. Yeah, uh, he's cool. He's cool. Cool Just, dude. Uh, not not the most creative of album covers. No, let's I think, be honest. Uh, no, but, I think in the, out of the album covers that we've done, I think I'd put this probably close to the bottom. Yeah, but it's representative of the mood of the album, I would say. It's introspective and stark. Yeah, uh, and I do like how they've got, they. he kind of pulls a Beatles with the Beatles where he's got half of his face covered in shadow and half of it in there light. That's kind of a... It's kind of a cool image. Um, but yeah, so as far as the track listing goes, 12 songs. Side one is Cover Me Up, Stockholm, Traveling Alone, Elephant, Flying Over Water. And side one closes with Different Days. And then side two opens with the seventh song, which is Live Oak, songs that she sang in the shower, New South Wales, Super 8, Yvette, and then relatively easy closes closes the album. Well done, sir. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Your reading skills. I've always said your reading <laughs> skills are par excellence. <laughs> Merci. We have our top track nickel, so we can determine who goes first and who gets to take their first shot at slicing and dicing this thing. Um, the old top track nickel. The old. What do you think the safe word should be for this one? For our listeners, uh, if you don't recall, the safe word is what we use when one or the other co-host hits upon the other's top track uh, prematurely and, and knocks it off the list. And so I think our safe word this go-around will be, you kicked me in the southeastern region. <laughs> Where would that be exactly? <laughs> <laughs> no place fun. <laughs> I'll flip it. I can't remember what we did last time. Uh, with, I think uh, you f- I can flip. Uh, you flipped you flip. last okay. time. Fair's fair. All right, I'll, you flip, I'll call. I'm going to call 
Well, I feel like I, I'm almost obligated <laughs> to call tails. There's no point in even flipping at this point. Oh, my God, it's heads. That means uh, yeah, that's you a first. have the honors of eliminating the very first track off of okay. Southeastern. Um, well, for me, it's got to be Super 8. This cannot this cannot be safe for a territory. No, but I had this one high. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. I don't want to die in a Super 8 motel either. I think I can't fault him for the sentiment. But uh, to me, this song sticks out uh, like a sore thumb on an album of, of introspective um, and sensitive songwriting. To speak to that point, <laughs> apparently Dave Cobb told Jason Isbell um, that he needed to write a boneheaded rock song, one boneheaded rock song for this album. And I think he kind of obliged him here. Although... I do have in my notes, Andrew will love this rollicking good tune about band life on the road and the and the uh, the hijinks that can ensue. <laughs> you know me too well. I had this one pretty high. Um, but here's the here's the problem with it. It's it's way too generic paint by numbers rock and roll. It's I uh, have you ever heard of Hayes Carl? Are you yes. familiar with Hayes Carl? Uh, it sounds like he's doing a Hayes Carl almost Patterson hood. It's almost sure it's, it's, it's got a, it's got a drive by truckers vibe to it, which is one of the reasons why I like it, but it's about as formulaic as it gets. There are some interesting lyrical flourishes. I do love the line about the, uh, the female fans, boyfriend coming at him, swinging a fungo bat. That's very specific. You know what a fungo bat is, right? Yeah, Of course I do. Yeah. For the listeners out there that don't know, this is a very specific bat used in batting practice, uh, to, to hit, um, it gives it gives the hitter a, a little advantage in terms of leverage and things like that. I just thought that was a cool line that you've never heard a fungo bat mention reference. No, it, it referenced in a song before. No, uh, you, but you're you're absolutely right. It does stick out. Um, I had this one. I think I had this one. I'll just tell you. I had this one as one, two, three. I had this as four. Wow. But this one high. You can't help it though, Andrew. This I is can't just help it. It's who it's, you are. It's right in my wheelhouse. And uh a lot yeah, but it, like it does I'll tell you this much. The, you listen to it once, it's cool. By the second time you've listened to it, you you know exactly where it's going every single step of the way. And that's <laughs> that's not a that doesn't bode well for repeat listens. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't seek this one out by any stretch. Yeah. But it, I I feel like it would probably be fun live sure like it would be live. it'd be a fun live song and if you had an album that was uh, uh full of songs more like this uh then it might be more fun too but just yeah not not in these proceedings maybe this one would have fit better on like sirens of the ditch yeah 
Because I think that one, or maybe on the 400 free, unit album. Yeah, yeah. You're right. A 400 unit album would, would have been a perfect place yeah. to let this one soar. So it makes you wonder, so what was the rationale behind putting it on there? What was the, Dave Cobb wanted a boneheaded rock song. Who's Dave Cobb? Uh, the producer about? on the this. Producer? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Where's he? What, who's he? He uh, he has done, uh, he's a big producer in Nashville. Okay. Uh, and he's kind of one of these guys that's not necessarily a, a mega producer, but he is very highly respected, and um, let's see. I think I've got um, okay. So Dave Cobb has produced for the likes of John Prine, Brandy Carlisle, Sturgill Simpson, The High Women, uh, and and he was a contributor to the songwriting and the producing on A Star Is Born, which is okay. a really great uh, fictional biopic. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Ryan Adams was originally supposed to produce this album i saw that and then uh jason isbell to hear the way he set tells the tale he sent him the demos and he never heard from ryan adams again and he just came out and flat out said i think ryan adams was intimidated by these songs and shots fired yeah yeah he first said he said his first reaction was that he didn't think ryan adams liked him and then he said on reflection that he thought that that Ryan Adams was intimidated and I wonder I wonder what I wonder if that's true I don't know how I don't know how you would be able to make that kind of yeah how do you make that kind of assumption without having if he doesn't respond how do you who can really speak can, for Ryan Adams anyway yeah but I will say that a lot of the songs on this record do have a Ryan Adams flavor absolutely to them. you're right about that and this one does too. This is a, this sounds like old school whiskey town. It yeah, sounds like no, you're uh, right. But um, but anyway, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I wonder how different the album would have sounded with Ryan Adams at the helm. That's a good question. And uh, I think even Glenn Johns, our buddy from uh, the Eagles, uh, mm-hmm. self-titled uh, album that mm-hmm. we did a few uh, weeks back, uh, he was originally kind of. Uh, tied to this was he really yeah oh that would have been interesting yeah it would have been but uh i think we got the producer that that we needed on this and these are spare songs and i think um a lot of them were recorded in uh in in uh dave cobb's kitchen live and and i think it uh they that style of recording does justice to these types of songs i don't think super eight was one of those that they recorded in his kitchen no probably needed more room for that but i the one thing, the one knock that I would have on this album and just the sound, the production, is that it's very polished and very clean sounding. Mm. And I wonder if Ryan Adams would have brought maybe a bit of an edge to it. Um, all right, so... It's your turn, my friend. It is. The first one that I'm going to let go is the fi- uh, second to the last track on the album, Yvette. Mm. Side. I'm 
bedroom upstairs It's a family affair The subject matter and the lyrics aside, it just it's okay. Yeah. The music isn't isn't a real standout, which no. is unfortunate. This is a great story. This is great storytelling. And uh there was a writer, I think his name was J.W. Lawden from medium.com that said this album isn't just a great collection of songs. This is one of the great collections of short stories. Mm. And the fact that he's able to distill such a complicated and nuanced story down into like a three or four minute footprint time and time again and have it make sense and have it like resonate is really impressive. And and this is, I mean, this is a really great song. I'm with you. I don't go back to listen to it a whole lot because of the subject matter and also the the music's not what you know it it, it doesn't elevate it um it's it's a it's a good story and it's nuanced and you know it's it's heartbreaking and and it there's a song that comes later on this album that some would say is one of the saddest songs in musical history i think this one's even sadder Jason Isbell likes to bring us down. He does, man. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. You're having a happy-go-lucky road trip back from Kansas, and then you've got to fight through this song. This, this is my number nine, though, so I'm, okay. I'm with you. So okay. <laughs> this one didn't, didn't not breaking you up too much to no, lose this no. one. Okay. Back to you, sir. I'm going to get rid of Stockholm. is a good little ditty nothing nothing wrong with this it's just not a standout for me it's uh and, and this is one of many songs that i think are directly about amanda shires his uh his wife his uh bandmate the fiddler from this band who i think uh listening to this album and every album after this you you get the sense that she saved him uh in a very real sense and so this is just one of those songs that's very uh where on the sleeve he's wearing his his feelings on the sleeve very much so um i think it's another song about getting through addiction also i think it's um mm-hmm. I, I like that there it's open to interpretation i think you know stockholm syndrome is where you develop this kind of a uh, codependency with your captor i think maybe his captor is addiction in this who knows but uh it's intriguing storytelling and, and wordsmithing and um it's it, he he actually also has a tattoo on the inside of his arm 
from uh, Boots of Spanish Leather by Bob Dylan. And the Ooh. quote is, just carry yourself back to me unspoiled from across that lonesome ocean. And I think uh, this song has a lot of parallels to that tattoo and that song about traveling and coming back intact uh, from a, a long journey uh, and trying to get back to being the person that you were. I think it's a fine tune, just not my favorite. Yeah, I had this one right in the middle. It reminded me a lot of those Graham Parsons, Emmylou Harris songs. Yeah. I thought the I thought the duet. Kim Ritchie is the singer songwriter who, and I don't. I'm not familiar with her at all. Are you? No, I'm not. I, I looked her up, and I still am not familiar with her work. Yeah, she toured with Winona Judd. She's written songs that have been recorded by Trisha Yearwood, Brooks and Dunn. Rodney Foster, and she's been around a long time. Uh, and interesting choice for her to, I don't know the background of why she was chosen to uh, perform this with him, but she has an Emmylou Harris vocal quality that I kind of liked, and I kind of felt like they were doing a, yeah, yeah. I kind of felt like they were doing a Love Hurts kind of thing, which I liked a lot. And I, I actually, I like the chord progression too. I think it's, um, it's this... is it a waltz? It might be a waltz. Might be a six eighths waltz. Six yeah. eight waltz. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and this is one of the few songs where Amanda Shires is not singing in that Emmy Lou role. Yeah. Um, yeah. She does that a lot on this album, so it's interesting that he chose somebody different for this song. Yeah. Um, he was married. Was he married to her at this time? I think he was. I think they got married right after okay. he finished this album. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that's kind of a tenuous. I mean, I think they're still married, but I think there's. It, it is tenuous. tenuous if you've seen uh, the most recent documentary. Have on you HBO. seen that? You've seen that? Yeah. Okay. Tell um, tell the listeners what it is because I I've only caught little excerpts of it. Let's see. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it's on HBO and it's about the recording of his last album. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot about their their working process that. Um, Amanda Shires was very involved in in terms of like the editing of his lyrics mm. and there were a lot of moments of high tension in this documentary there were yeah. uh and and I think some moments where they weren't speaking to each other for weeks at a time yeah they may have been separated they could have been I, it wasn't really clear <laughs> no, as to it no it was not clear you've seen it though right I, I've okay. seen parts of it I haven't okay. seen it all the way through but I, I know, yeah, it it did seem like there were some moments where they may not have been living together. They could the go time. at any know. time, I think. But <laughs> yeah. has there ever been uh, a muse so so celebrated as Amanda Shires is in these songs, even more so than like a Patty Boyd? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. half of each Jason Isbell album is directly about her or yeah. the daughter he has with her. It. It's interesting. Yeah. It was like watching a train. Yeah, it really was. Running with our eyes closed. That's it. That's so it. So check that out on HBO Max. Also, uh, running with our eyes closed. Not a good idea. No, terrible idea. Great song, though. Bad advice, though. <laughs> All right, the next one I have is New South Wales. Here we sit Across the table from each other Thousand miles from both our mothers, barely old enough to rust. Here we sit, pretending both our hearts are anchor, taking candy from these strangers, midst the diesel and the dust. 
here we sit Singing words nobody taught us Drinking fire and spitting sawdust Trying to teach ourselves to breathe We haven't yet Every chorus brings us closer Every flyer and every poster Gives a piece of what we Was that a harmonium that was in one of the ear, one of my ears? Oh, what was that I, instrument? I, I don't know. There was like some sort of like one note harmonium, or Good it question. sounded. I don't know what it was. Uh, let's see. Let me go to personnel and see if there's Mellotron. I bet that's what it was. That's got a good call. All right. That's Dairy, much the same thing. It's pretty much the same thing. Derry DeBorgia. Keyboards, Mellotron. I bet that's what I was hearing. Okay, uh, it's got a kind of a Dylan-esque quality to it. It's cool. Definitely, I think he's almost channeling Dylan a little bit. It, it's a good song. I like it. Uh, just not one that I uh, love. But um, listening to it in the headphones kind of gives me a different appreciation for it. Where did you have this one? Well, uh, I had this at number ten, so I was right there with okay. you. I was about to eliminate it too, and and you're. You're exactly right. I think he is channeling Dylan on this one. And I talked about that Dylan tattoo he has on the inside of his arm. Just carry yourself back to me mm -hmm. unspoiled from across that lonesome ocean. Um, I think this one's even more dead on about God bless that busted boat that brings us back. Uh, it's it's a sweet little ditty. I love this tune. I love the lyrics. Um, and um, like, for instance... Here we sit across the table from each other, a thousand miles from our mothers, barely old enough to rust. Um, here we sit, pretending both our hearts are anchors, taking candies from these strangers amidst the diesel and the dust. This is a this is a song about touring, I think. Uh, oh, you and know, so you know I how, think you know how I know how you feel about this, <laughs> and uh, I think it's kind of like one of those realistic uh, takes on touring that we like so much. Yes, yes. So uh, I, I think it's a cool little ditty. It's it's beautiful. And uh, I, I do like uh, the the discussions about the the market um, the market value of cocaine. I, I wrote down a list of uh, things that are more expensive substances okay. that are more expensive than cocaine okay. by weight. I uh, love lists. Number five is Creme de la Mer. It is a face cream developed by NASA and sold by Estee Lauder. That's seventy dollars a gram. Andrew. Okay. Plutonium. Four thousand dollars a gram. Of course, we we know that that's used to power flux capacitors. Right. That's why Doc Brown had to steal it <laughs> from the the Libyans. Exactly. Because he couldn't afford it. But can you imagine how awesome the the pinball machine was that they got back? Maybe they were just coming to thank him. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that movie's so understood, misunderstood. I know. I know. Like what? Maybe the way they say thank you is with machine guns. I don't. You know. Yeah. Um. There's some other ones like tritium. Uh. That's thirty thousand dollars a gram. That's okay. a radioactive that's isotope uh, of hydrogen used to make self-powered lighting. And the last one is californium, twenty-seven million dollars a gram, used sparingly in metal detectors or to identify water and oil layers in, in, in drilling. Seems like an expensive thing to use to like uh, search for water <laughs> or, or metal. Uh, 27 million a gram? Yeah, yeah. 27 million a gram. Well, you could do a lot worse when you put it in perspective. Exactly. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Yeah. That's our soundbite for this episode. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to make a note of that. Why was it called New South Wales? Was he driving through New South Wales? 
Yeah, I think he was actually on tour in Australia. Okay. New South Wales, Australia. I think he was actually touring with a buddy at the time. Somebody like a Hayes Carl. Hayes Carl. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Hayes Carl. Mm, interesting. We'll have to look that up. We'll have to look that up. At some point. Um, all right, man. Uh, next, I'm going to have to knock off Live Oak. Here's who I used to be. And I wonder if she sees him and confuses him with me. And I wonder who she's pining for all nights I'm not around. Could it be the man who did the things I'm living now? I was rougher than the timber shipping out of Fond du Lac. When I headed south at 17, the sheriff on my back. I'd never held a lover in my arms or in my gaze. So I found another victim every couple days. But the night I fell in love with her, I made my weakness known to the fighters and the farmers digging dusty fields. Yeah, uh, this is a great little tune that's in the murder ballad tradition, and I think it's a um, it's a nice break from the introspection and and the autobiographical uh, content, as good as all that is, uh, and and it, in many ways it's it's not overtly about him on the surface. But I think it could be interpreted in a number of ways to maybe be autobiographical. And I think he even said in, in a few interviews that uh, it was kind of inspired by the anxiety he had of wondering what about him would be different in his newfound sobriety. Would he be as interesting to people? Um, am I still going to be fun? Is my significant other still going to like me or like the same things about me? And you can kind of hear that. He created a character uh, and story that kind of reflects those fears and was he fun before (laughs) it's a good question i don't know (laughs) sorry go ahead. he doesn't seem like uh, much of a fun guy (laughs) Uh, but but he he does a great job of setting a tone here and um is you know is this a character who's going around murdering women because of his inability to love i don't know he he says uh, i never held a lover in my arms or in my gaze so i found another victim every couple days um it's just an interesting tale i think he's just a great storyteller this is a great song i like this one i had this one um still kind of in the middle though um it reminded me of like a carter family outtake or like a field recording from depression era like i think he did a good job of channeling that um that style that's interesting like like if uh, one of the Lomax guys had like found him in prison somewhere, this is the one song he would have recorded on that that like old recorder, exactly. that old grainy recorder, exactly. like a Ledbetter song. It, it's it it sounds like it could be Lead Belly or it could be something from Oh Brother Where or Oh Brother Where Art Thou. It just feels it's got that kind of vibe to it. Um, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, I think. I knew you would like this song because in this one he's on the run from the sheriff. <laughs> so does he kill her? Is that or does he kill? Yeah, the, the boy, he uh, he buries her he buries deep her. enough to touch the the water table line. That's if right. you recall, that's right. He, that's right. He definitely does. Yeah, 
But I like the analogy about reckoning sobriety. I think that's interesting because I would imagine that if you are, uh, if you are um, crippled by an addiction or if you're just sort of, it's, it's something that um, you have to really lean on when you lose that, do you lose another part of you that was propped up by that? Yeah. So that's an interesting interesting interpretation. I kind of like that. There's a man who walks beside me and he's, he's who I used to be. We're still haven't gotten into the real meat of this album. But no, we haven't. I think we're getting there soon. The next one I have is Flying Over Water. Okay. Walls and makeup, barricades and graves. I'm this knit hat. Daddy is little empire built no, by hand, built like by slaves. <laughs> From the sky we look so organized and brave. had this one on the back half of the album but i love his vocals i think he does a great job of singing this one absolutely i think that was one of the things that really stood out to me is that i don't think he's necessarily known as a great vocalist maybe he is he's belting it out on this one, but he huh? really is he's i think he does a great job of 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 singing on this one first time we've had an electric guitar since uh, <laughs> super eight i think <laughs> You're right. Uh, with some distortion. So that's always kind of nice. Uh, but I like it. It's a good song. Um, but we're still, in my opinion, that's still in the back half of, of the album. Well, we're, we're not too far off. I had it as number four. Okay. It is one of my favorite songs on the album. I think it's a fantastic rocker that's much needed after the sober proceedings of the immediately preceding song, uh, which we, we're not going to name yet. This is an amazing piece of songwriting to me, like so many of these other songs. Uh, I think the meaning of the song isn't super obvious uh, and open to interpretation, I think. But to me, I think it's a testament to how something may look good from like the 30,000 foot view. But, you know, once you once you look at it closer, uh, you know, closer look would reveal that life, the world, maybe a relationship can be built on struggle and difficult and ugly things. There's a great line in here that I just love. From the sky, the highway's straight as it could be, a string pulled tight from home to Tennessee. Still somehow those ditches took a better part of me. From the sky, the highway's straight as it could be. And when you see a highway, it is straight. You're, you're on a plane, you see it down there, but you don't think about those guys that busted their, their backs digging those ditches. And uh, I think that's uh, like a really, really cool imagery on his part. And uh, he hits on some of the uglier things uh, about what our nation was built on. So this is a uh, solid songwriting. And like you said, awesome electric guitars. There's a blistering solo on this uh, yeah, that, that really right. speaks to the chaos that he's, that he's talking about. Okay. It is up to you. Uh, I got to get rid of different days at this point. 
Kudos to Jason Isbell for working benzodiazepine into a rhyme. I don't think that's been done before or since. I felt like you would bring that up. That's impressive. (laughs) You know know me well. I do. Good, thoughtful lyrics about a protagonist that's ruminating on the ways that he used to be. I think it's very autobiographical, probably, if I I had my my suspicions about that. Um, And I think... To a lesser talented artist on another album, this could be that lesser artist's top track. But on this album, an album of this depth, it's not a standout. I do like the choruses, and this is something he he does a lot. He kind of changes the words of choruses. Most people just repeat a chorus, but he's always changing the words to his choruses to to where there's some slight variation. Um, And there's a, a really good nugget in here that I think is good. My daddy told me, I believe he told me true, that the right thing's always the hardest thing to do. But uh, where'd you have this one? Three, four, five, six, seven. I had this one six. So I think we had this at the exact same place then. I think I've got this at six as well. I like it, and I love the chorus. The chorus is, the, the reason why I let it play a little bit longer is because I wanted to get to that chorus. And I love the, it's not a glockenspiel, but it's a, it's, it's a Mellotron probably. Okay, next one I have is, relatively easy this is one that jumped all around but it settled right in the top in terms half. of your ranking in terms of okay. my ranking it jumped around well I'll tell you what let's listen to it and we'll yep. talk about it here we go are you having a long day everyone you meet rubs you the City streets smell like an ashtray Morning bells are ringing in your ear He's a brother on a church kick Seems like just a different kind of dope sick Better off to teach a dog a car trip And try to have a point and make it You should know compared to people on a global scale I kind of had it relatively easy Here with you there's always something 
piano in there. This one was a slow burn for me. I didn't love it at first, but after repeated listenings, this one started moving up. I uh, I absolutely love this song, but I'm like you. It um, I I didn't expect myself to rank this so highly uh, as I did, and I only I only rank them. Have I have it at number three. This is my third most favorite song on this album. It covers a lot of different themes, so it's not super focused in terms of its lyrical content, but I think it's the perfect closer because there's a real redemptive quality to it. Uh, it's about a guy who's found someone who makes his days and nights you know, easier, relatively easy. But also, I think it's the, a really good closer because... Of, you hear about all these struggles on this album. This whole album is about struggles, man. And so by the time you get to this last song, he talks about how all those struggles those struggles are relatively easy compared to other people. And it's probably true not to marginalize the struggles that his protagonists uh, experience, but in the grand scheme of things, these are relatively easy struggles as far as he's concerned. So I think... I think he's making a statement as a closer. And so I think this we, you talk about track listing a lot and like what's a perfect closer. I think this is a perfect closer. Also, there's a line in here that is my favorite line on the whole song. Uh, and <laughs> every time I'm driving along and I hear this line, I like I have to pull over, man. I lost a good friend Christmas time when folks go off the deep end. His woman took the kids and he took Clonopin, enough to kill a man of twice his size not for me to understand remember him when he was still a proud man a vandal smile a baseball in his right hand nothing but the blue sky in his eye now it sounds stupid when i read it but like in the context of the song it is a transcendent moment and you you just have this respect for uh his ability to tell a tale about a flawed human that he's remembering fondly for the good things and I think it's just this beautiful, redemptive moment on the album, and I think it's the perfect closer. I really want to get this guy a prescription of <laughs> Prozac and a bowl of ice cream. Not Clonopin. Not Clonopin. Not Clonopin. I feel like Jason Isbell needs, maybe he needs <laughs> new friends. I don't know. It's it's rough, man. I, I can see why he, uh, he had struggles. Um, this is one of the more lighthearted songs on the album, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, it's relatively easy, <laughs> relatively speaking. Speculation, of course, but I wonder if that was always the intent. Like this will be the the song that wraps wraps up the shebang. What do you? I mean, you would hard you for me to understand. All right, uh, we are now down to four songs. Can you believe? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with songs she sang in the shower. Oh, you hit me in my southeastern oh, region. Oh, are you serious? Uh, wow, this is interesting. Yes. On a lark, on a whim, I said there's two kinds of men in this world and you're neither of them. And his fist Cut the smoke I had an eighth of a second To wonder if he got the joke And in the car Headed home 
She asked if I had considered the prospect of living alone With a stain held in my eye I had to summon the confidence needed to hear her goodbye It's a great tune. This, it's so good. This is your number one. This was my number one. Well, I one. feel like maybe you should have the floor then. Thank you for, for giving <laughs> me the floor. The the hook, the um, the opening chord change is fucking beautiful, yeah. man. I don't know what he's doing. He's going from, it sounds like he's going from like a major to a minor maybe, but it's like a, I don't know. Maybe he's going sounds from like a G open, to a, Like an open tuning or something it, maybe? The, oh, the intro, it sounds open for sure. Just the melody, I think, is captivating. I like it when you get some other song titles in there. Like he name checks several songs <laughs> that are great. Like, but uh, there was one song. So he name checks uh, "Bring Out the Dead," which I've, I don't know what I song. I don't know that, that is. one. I looked it up. I was trying to figure that out. I couldn't figure that one out. "Breakfast in Bed" is Dusty Springfield. Yeah, and that. UB40. Don't forget the UB40 <laughs> version. That's right. That's a good version of it. It is the Dusty Springfield version. Is is much better though. Um, no disrespect to. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> um, he uh, he name checks. Wish you were here. Uh, Yesterday's wine by George Jones. See, that's one that I missed. Okay. Yeah, yesterday's wine. Um, and I think he sings this one really good. Yeah, nothing wrong with this song at all. And as a matter of fact, I think this song has one of the greatest opening lines of any song anywhere. On a lark, on a, lark. On a whim, yeah. I said, there's two kinds of men in this world, and you're neither of them. As his fist cut the smoke, I had an eighth of a second to wonder if he got the joke. This is brilliant, I know, dude. That's really good stuff. And so you're, you're left wondering, like, who is this man that he's offended that led to the dissolution of this relationship yeah. that he was in? Because this, this ended it here. Whatever he said to this man and whoever this man was, the girl's like... Have you ever considered the prospect of living alone? It's a great story to follow. Um, and I, I, I too, like you, I like trying to point out the songs that she sang in the shower. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also another great line at the end. And the church bells are ringing for those who are easy to please. And the frost on the ground probably envies the frost on the trees. I think it's just, uh, you know, Very depending visual. on your perspective yeah you know the frost is always cooler on the other side yeah all right so now we are down to the trifecta so matt which of these three are you kicking in the southeastern region (laughs) i gotta get rid of cover me up hard on Keeps a hand on the gun You can't trust anyone I was so sure What I needed was more Tried to shoot out the sun Days when we raised We flew off the page Such damage I made it through Cause somebody knew I was meant for someone So girl, leave your boots by the bed We ain't leaving 
This is a big one to 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 tackle. Um, lead off track of the album. Side and one, track one. Was it a wasn't a single though? Was it? I mean, are any of these songs really singles? No, I, I don't know. No, and, but this is the only song on the album that has a Wikipedia page, its own separate Wikipedia page. Okay. So, okay. Um, not that that means anything, but um, go Th- ahead. This is this is an important song for this album and, mm-hmm. and the history of Jason Isbell, I think. This sets the stage for what follows on this album and what follows for the next 10 years. Uh this is his first song as a sober man, and uh, it really serves as the manifesto for for everything that this album is about. It's a tale of redemption and, and self worth realized through the eyes of someone who's committed to helping him. We know that's Amanda Shires. Um, like you said, though, uh, from that documentary, this is this is real. It's ugly. It's beautiful at the same time. Uh, you know, there are cracks in the relationship, but at the same time, um, he's giving complete props to this person for saving him. And my favorite line is the line in the chorus, cover me up and and know you're enough to use me for good. One could interpret that to mean, oh, I'm yours for life. But I also like this meaning that I can be used for good. Like I can, it used to be negative things that I was being used for, use me for good. So I, I like that. It's a brilliant piece of songwriting. I also love the instrumentation in this. Mostly acoustic, washes of steel guitar that are very, um, I don't know, ethereal. And uh, there's a single drum that comes in at about right at the 316 mark. And I wonder if it's John 316, like some kind of allusion to John 316. But it really... Um, propels this song to a, a triumphant finish. And also what I love about this song is you you go to any Jason Isbell show now, you watch any live version of the song, when he gets to the, the part about swearing off that stuff, the crowd really goes wild for him, and that's cool. The the one downer on this song is that Morgan Wallen covered it. <laughs> you know what? I wrote that down too. I meant to mention that. Thank you for bringing that up. All right, go ahead and tell it. Go ahead and share the Morgan Wallen story if you've got one well uh it's covered by zach brown morgan wallen and rodney atkins i think the rodney atkins one is the best okay i haven't heard it i think there's some animosity there between the two um but uh yeah i haven't heard this version but this version came out in 2020 it actually was released as a single Hmm. it peaked at 52 no you know what the morgan wallen version did I'm so sorry. Sorry, I almost I'm did a so spit sorry. take. <laughs> uh, the Morgan Morgan Wallen version hit 52 on the Billboard Hot 100. Sorry, oh, Jason. Just... The beginning of it sounds like Norwegian Wood. Did you catch You're that? You're right. Good. Did you no, that? I didn't catch that until you just said that. You're right. Totally. When you hear it, it's the ding, 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 I ding. I once had a girl, yeah. But it, and it definitely opens the album and tells you what you're going to be hearing for about 45 minutes, <laughs> does right. it not? If like, you're not into this song, go home. <laughs> in 2020, Paste ranked the song number one on their list of the 20 greatest Jason Isbell songs. 2022, American Songwriter ranked the song number four on their list of the 10 greatest Jason Isbell songs. Well, that's not like any kind of big... <laughs> accolades is it i mean (laughs) where did you have it so i actually had that at number five and somehow it just kind of survived up to this point yeah as as 
as it is want to happen on this show. Right. That's the way it goes. That's that's the process. That's the process. And this album has been really tough because I don't know what you lead off with. I don't really know how you close side one. I don't know how you cl- open side two. This one was a tough one. All I know is that I wouldn't open it with this one. That's tough. Do you open it up with a spunky tune like Flying Over Water? Maybe. My good friend Tom Kroll, who's from Decatur, Alabama, his uh, wife is from Huntsville, which is not far from where um, Jason Isbell grew up. He said that Cover Me Up is uh, is his favorite song. So. Oh, wow. Okay. This song resonates with people. Uh, I don't think he's alone in that. Uh, all right. So now we're down to You Cut Cover Me Up, right? I did. Wait, so does that mean that I get to... It does. Uh, it does. I get to determine the penultimate and the ultimate, right? Yes, you do. That's quite ultimate of you. The penultimate is traveling alone. A fair play to you. Mountains rough this time of year. Yeah, it is. Close the highway down. They don't want to. I've been fighting second gear Fifteen miles or so Trying to beat the angry snow and I know every town worth passing through What good does no one do No one to show it to And I've grown tired I'm very conflicted on this song, okay, because on one hand, you know that I love songs about life on the road. I know you do. I do. And this is a good one, except that it reminds me of this song just a little bit too much, and I'm going to see what you think. Okay. This is a surprise, listeners. Now and then it keeps you running. Okay, okay. Never seems to die Trails spent with fear Not enough living on the outside Never seem to get far enough Staying in between the lines Hold on what you can Waiting for the end Not knowing when May the wind take your troubles away Does it kind of feel like he ripped off Windfall a little bit or that he rewrote Windfall? Man. I don't want to reduce Jason Isbell. It's yeah. his show. It's it's that we're doing his I, album. Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> But <laughs> I don't want to get call, into Call me crazy though. There Does are it, similarities okay. subject matter wise and chord progression wise and maybe even strumming pattern wise. You are not 
completely wrong. And maybe even instrumentation-wise, like we're talking, sure. like it's it's a shuffle with a, a brushes on a drum, yeah, acoustic. There's a little fiddle in there, which you don't have in Jason. I don't think you have in Jason. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah, we there do. Was, we do fiddle. We in do. There. Yeah, but I still okay. love it. It's okay to love a song that's derivative. Is it sure. Not? And okay. I can't imagine that Jason Isbell would have consciously, uh, you know, we're all inspired. There are only so many chord progressions in, in, in popular music that you can use. So many melodies, uh, whether he was subconsciously I would inspired. argue that the melodies are infinite. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and chord progressions might even be infinite. But look. Uh, well, shitty chord progressions, Yes. <laughs> The ones that sound good, there's like three. Checkmate. Checkmate. Uh, but uh, interesting, interesting uh, reference there. Okay. I, I, I love both songs. There's, there's room in my life for both songs, Andrew. I hope you can find room in your heart for both. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I had this as my number two song. Okay. So this is working out perfectly. Um, and for you, it is. <laughs> what did you? So you must you already have stepped on my southern, southeastern region. <laughs> No, I had this one really high. I had this okay. one like at four, maybe three or well, four. You've been, I, I, I played you like a fiddle. <laughs> uh, and there is some fiddle on here. It's, it's Amanda Shires, and I think her uh, flourishes uh, are haunting and, and brilliant on this. They're good. Um, and she sings some amazing harmonies. This is where she's doing her best at the, uh, the Emmylou Harris. The Emmylou Harris. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is where she shines. Uh, I think... I mentioned that this is the song that got me hooked on Jason Isbell because I was literally Tra traveling. Yeah. I wasn't alone. I was with my beautiful family, <laughs> but course, I needed to feel like I was alone for like a few hours sure. to maintain some sanity. This is the one that really hooked me. It tells such a great story. There's great imagery about the grind and isolation. Uh, and, and I guess for him, the weaknesses that, that um, this poor truck driving protagonist has endured, you know. It sounded like he was almost apologetic. Did yeah. Not? Yeah. Yeah. Um and it it like you said, it has a killer chorus and it's likely one of those weird wedding songs. It's it's, it's a popular wedding song. Is it really? I'm guessing. I'm, I'm uh, just speculating. Uh, 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 I don't okay, know. You're for speculating. Sure. Okay. I bet it is because of this chorus and I bet they you know, the bride and grooms like these kind of weird songs. They they overlook the verses about addiction and hookers, <laughs> and they just hear the chorus because it's a sweet chorus. It's a sweet chorus. He's making amends. <laughs> right. He's apologizing for his transgressions, whatever they might be. Yeah, and, you know, what good is knowing these places if you don't have someone to show them to? Absolutely. And he has someone to show them to now, and uh, this is this song is consistent with every other song on this album. Uh, there's one song in the room we haven't talked about now. The elephant. The elephant. The Here we go. Elephant. She oh. said, and you're better than your past. Winked at me and drained her glass. Cross-legged on a bar stool like nobody sits in. She said, and you're taking me home But I knew she planned to sleep alone I'd carry her to bed and sweep up the hair from her floor If I'd fucked her before she got 
got sick I'd never hear the end of it She don't have the spirit for that now We just drink our drinks and laugh out loud Bitch about the weekend crowd and try to Can we just get this man some Prozac and some ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. This is actually my number one, so okay. this this worked out great. Perfect. This is exactly the for show. You. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the show I was hoping for. You got it. Uh, there's no reason that I or anyone else should enjoy this song. This is devastating, dude. And yet the storytelling here is like so transcendent. It's just on another plane. Well, to back up, so give it. Tell us what the song is about. This is about a woman who's dying of cancer. The protagonist is her friend. And the beautiful thing about this song is that, you know, from the opening verse, you you care about these characters, and she's the one who's dying, but she's also the one giving the protagonist, Andy, encouraging words, saying that he's better than his past. And you can just picture this exchange between these people because uh, Isabel just paints such a vivid picture like you can sit her you can see her sitting cross-legged you can see them like bitching about the weekend crowd together you can picture his sharecropper's eyes i can picture the bar that they frequent uh, i can i can picture this pain it just like reaches out and grabs you and there's a line in here that guts me every time about her being surrounded by her family and how he could see that she's dying alone uh, it makes you wonder if whether her family isn't the best or or that why she's dying alone is that maybe at the time of the de- at the time of death we're all just dying alone there there are very few songs on this planet that are this well written i just never get tired of hearing this i sent you a link to an article didn't i send you a link yeah you did it was like the saddest songs uh <laughs> Look Magazine ranked the 30 most depressing country songs of all time. It's got Merle Haggard, Chris Stapleton, Hank Williams, plenty of songs by Hank Williams, and the most depressing country song of all time, according to Look Magazine. More depressing than Johnny Cash's Hurt is Jason Isbell's Elephant. And what it says is, this modern-day Americana classic is one of the toughest, darkest, and most depressing songs out there. The song is extra impactful because it's subject matter cancer the lyric there's one thing that's real clear to me no one dies with dignity isabel concludes at the end of the song we just try to ignore the elephant somehow the most depressing country the song most depressing country song of all, of all time th- that's quite a distinction yeah well deserved <laughs> but why do we listen to it over I, and over i don't again? know well can you re-listen to this over I and do. over yeah do you? I, absolutely i do wow. yeah even though this isn't Space. autobiographical, this seems very truthful to me coming mm-hmm. from Jason Isbell. Like mm-hmm. this is rooted in something truthful that just speaks to who he is, I think. And uh, I don't know, just like what an achievement though. I think it goes back to what Vulture.com said about this being a great collection of, uh, of short stories. This is a short story, but it's in the form of a four minute song that's actually a really good song too. But we got, you know, garbage like Morgan Wallen out there and Luke Combs. <laughs> Nothing against them, but Yeah. But like there's where's the why isn't this guy bigger than he is? New country is all uh, it pandering to uh, you know, having fun, drinking, red four dirt, by four. Yeah, red lights. dirt, God 
God, God's country. Trucks, yeah, man. Fishing. And it's so vapid. Jesus, yeah, all that but kind But that's of, yeah. what's selling. And yeah. uh, meanwhile, you got Jason Isbell, who's probably a country artist, but he's like relegated to the, the Americana uh, category because yeah. of his viewpoints on things. Yeah. Jason Isbell, isn't he popping into Baton Rouge soon? He is. He is in support of the Turnpike Troubadours, I think. And that's in April. And then you mentioned that he's coming to the Smoothie King Center. Yes, he will be playing with Zach Bryan in the summer. But I will say this, that if you are interested in buying tickets to that show, the secondary market is already probably screwed you oh okay yeah it's, it's getting it's, pretty hot it's and heavy getting, huh? getting pretty hot and heavy yeah so maybe checking him out where, where is he playing is he playing at the river center with the tur- turnpike troubadours yes okay yes and that's in april yep tickets are only 50 bucks it's actually hey, a good deal it's a discount yeah so april 20th uh of this year at the raising canes river center baton rouge but he's playing um all throughout the year so nice you know make sure he's not traveling alone go, go support him <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We will be back next week with our short stacks. And then the following week, we will be back with letter J. Is that what comes next? I was wondering about that. I didn't want to look stupid. (laughs) And email us if you've got ideas, because I'm out of ideas. I don't know. I I don't know what to do for N or O or P or Q. (laughs) Do any bands start with the letter Q? No, none that I can think of. None that I can think of. Email us. Let us know what other albums we should be checking out. Be a prince. Be a prince. Email us about (laughs) some ideas for P. Or be a queen and email (laughs) us some ideas for Q. You can always follow us on Instagram at Top Track Pod. For those that are in Antarctica, we hope to we hope to see you still waiting. <laughs> still We're waiting. still waiting. When you get tired of checking out the killer whales, whatever or you do down the there, orca or whatever you, y'all are doing at the polar bears, listen to our show, and we will see you next week. Kind of an awkward discipline. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was destined to be, wasn't it, dude?